Okay. All right, let's go. Shall we? Shall, yep, absolutely. So, hey, thanks for tuning in to Combo Radio, your go-to podcast for chats on career, identity, the highs, lows, and pretty much anything that makes up this crazy thing called life. We're bringing you real stories from everyday people, giving you an insight into their journey. So if you're feeling particularly nosy today, you've come to the right place. I'm your host, Jess Rendell. Grab a seat. Let's have a combo. Our guest on this episode is Brisbane-based gynecologist Archana Saraswat. She's had years of experience in the game Down Under, pun intended, and chats to us today about vaginal health, how often you should be seeing your gyno, debunking myths, and helping break the stigma around talking about your vagina. Ladies and supportive boyfriends and partners out there, this one's for you. Keep listening for a crash course on keeping your lady parts fresh and fancy. Also, this podcast has definitely got to break some sort of record for the most times the word vagina is used in a podcast. My first question, um, can you tell us a little bit about your life so far and how you came to be a gynecologist? Because I'm always so fascinated by gynos because I'm like, how do you like, are there kids out there that are like dreaming of becoming a gyno (laughs) or like, do you just wake up one day and you're like, you know what, I'm going to be... Yeah, you... I would love to look at vagina. <laughs> yeah. How did you? Yeah, come no, along to no, this no. Career. I, I don't think it happens like that for anyone. I don't unless until you you have a parent who's a gynecologist who's and you just kind of fall into it. Uh, that one thing I always wanted was medicine. There was nothing else I ever wanted to do right from grade ten. Grade ten, I knew I wanted medicine, and getting into medicine in India is very, very, very hard. Like you have hundreds and thousands of kids who sit into a qualifying exam and then a small percentage gets picked up to go into a med school so it is it's very hard so i i kind of knew in grade 10 this is what i want to do and i still remember having these conversations with my best friend that if i don't get into medicine what am i going to do so i always knew i wanted medicine and then i used to think that i wanted to do dermatology because your patients never die, they never they never get cured, they're yours for life, you have an point. easy life, yeah. and, and it's pretty good. So I always thought I wanted to do dermatology. And then when I was an intern, uh, I thought I got interested into ophthalmology. But uh, somehow that, so this is, this is the way life was going to go. And I eventually thought I was going to the U.S. I did my qualifying exams. I had interview calls for there. But I had my life charted out. I was going to be either a psychiatrist or a GP in the U.S. I was not going to do anything else. But the way life panned out, I didn't go to the U.S. either. And I had all these interview calls lined up, but uh, things happened and I didn't go. And But what happened in the meantime, though, I was thinking I'll go to the U.S. And if I had gone to the U.S., yes, I would have been a psychiatrist probably. I did this little house job, this two-month job in cardiac surgery. And this was my real exposure to operating theatres and working in an operating theatre, which was a very complex scenario. And that's when I discovered that I was very passionate about working in theatres. So that's how everything else got chucked out and I re- discovered that I love operating. So now when you start to look at what are you going to do as long-term when you're as a, as a surgeon, as an operating person, you could either be a general surgeon, you could be a cardiac surgeon, a neurosurgeon, uh, eye surgeon, or ENT, the ear, nose, throat people, and or it's gynecology. 
So it started ruling out. I hated gynecologists. I hated general surgeons, as, as so I didn't like the people I worked with as, in general surgery. So the general surgery was out. Uh, cardiac surgery messes up your life forever. You have no life at all. It so that was out. Sense. Same thing with neurosurgery. You have practically speaking, you have no life. So that was out. I do enjoy my life. So <laughs> then somehow it came down to what is it that gives you a lot of operating, a lot of patient exposure, and which is complete in itself, and that was gynecology. It's interesting how life pans out, hey, like you never really expect you never it, but just sort of somewhere you, along the you, way, so and I, it's I, narrowing I, things down, and yeah. Absolutely. So I never thought I'd be a gynecologist, and uh, it was never part of the plan. The plan was to have a very easy life. <laughs> well, so you know. So that changed. <laughs> okay, so I know there's a massive stigma around talking about your privates. I guess they're called privates for a reason. Mm-hmm. Um, and this stops a lot of people from attending a gynecologist. Do you have any advice for ladies out there who yeah. are nervous and um, about the kinds of questions a gyno might ask them or anything, or they're sort of hesitant about I, going? I, I think, first thing, this is what nervousness is not going to the gynecologist the nervousness i think is going to the general physician going to your gp and telling them you have a problem Mm. because what will happen most of the time is when you go and see your gp and this happens they are busy people they they have slots you've gone for let's say a fever they're probably not going to ask you is your do you have a bad period Mm. or do you have pain or Mm. whatever else so which means the patient has to now come up with and say hey i'm going through such and such that's number one so if in case you have you somewhere down the line are able to get over that hesitation to talk to your GP. After that, it's easy. It's that first step. The second thing is knowing that something is wrong. Now, let's let's just say, because every woman has only one period. How would you know that period is abnormal? You don't. Nobody knows you have an abnormal period unless until it suddenly changed drastically. And if it hasn't, then you would have no clue. So not being able to even identify there's a problem, you're never going to talk about it. And do you think that comes from the stigma around people not talking about it with each other? Oh, yeah, like, people, women don't talk about these yeah. things. It's, it's a very simple thing. Let, let me ask you this way. How many times have you asked your friends how many pads or a tampon would they be using on a really heavy day? Zero. Zero. Nobody Never talks about it. That. So that means if someone's using more than four or five even in a day, that's, that's not good. That's not normal. Yeah. If somebody has clots or flooding, that's not normal. But nobody talks about it. So then you don't know if it's nobody not. You knows. don't know if your friend's so, having it. Or... So, you, so I have patients coming in who've been, who go eight to ten times to change during the day. And wow. they maybe get up two to three times in the night to change. And they've done that for years. Wow. And they've just never known that Nobody it's... talks about it. Exactly. So you don't... That's a very good point. Um, how often should I be seeing a gynecologist? So I know pap smears now that they're mm. every three to five years. Um, but what's the difference between getting a pap smear and going to a gynecologist? Okay. So the first thing is there are new pap smear guidelines in and it's no longer called a pap smear anymore. It's a cervical screening test. It's a CST. And uh, with the new guidelines now, what has changed is initially pap smears is what they were called, were done when a woman was sexually active and that could be at the age of 18 or whatever it was and you would look for changes on the cervix which means you're looking for something which goes from being normal through a series reaching that endpoint cancer and you're looking for changes in between so that nobody ever reaches that endpoint. What we now understand about cervical changes is that they are caused by the human papillomavirus. So what the new cervical screening guideline is, look for the virus. And if someone has no viral infection, then they don't have to be tested for five years. And your GP can do that. Uh. 
So you don't have to go and see a gynecologist for that. So frankly speaking, you don't see a gynecologist till you're referred. You go and see your GP, you talk about your problems, and if in case it needs a referral, your GP will organize it. Um, what kind of questions should we be asking our gyno? Uh, that's interesting. It's not what questions you'll ask your gyno, but if you go to your gyno with a problem, it's what questions she'll ask you. She'll ask you, yeah. And because now the job is to find out, let's say someone comes to me with, and, and you know what, that's, that's the thing. I have patients, older women or even younger ones sometimes, and let's just talk about something really simple, itching, itching on the vulva. Vulva is the skin on the outside. They will have itching for years and they have never been to their GP and said, about it's just so embarrassing. Mm, so unfortunately, it's, it's the embarrassment. So... It's not about what you're going to ask your gynecologist. It's what you what you have told your GP. And then you will go to your gynecologist and hopefully she will not just ask you that one question. She'll ask you everything. That's what I do. I ask my patients. They might come with an X problem, but I want to know everything, which means we'll dig out more stuff. And um, what role does your diet play in the health of your vagina? Not much. Not there much? Is, there is not... It, interestingly, there is not much evidence that diet plays a role. Okay. But then every person is different. And if you thought you were doing something which works for you, go for it. Um, I've heard this a lot, and I'm not sure if this is a myth, but is pineapple juice supposedly good? <laughs> <laughs> is that a thing? Uh, things, all right, when we talk about things that affect the pH of the vagina, and there is really not much evidence for food, but we do know that it will help bladder. So things that acidify the urine will help the bladder, but there is really not much evidence on whether diet changes uh, will make a change to the vaginal health. Okay, that's really interesting because it's such a big, like, um, again, another myth, yeah. you know, and people are like, it's what you eat, and if you don't, it, then... But if it works for you, yeah. then there's no harm in doing yeah. it either. Yeah. Um, are normal body washes and soaps bad for your vagina? And should we be using like a specialized wash, you know, with the whole pH level oh, thing? Yeah, I know all soaps are bad for you. First thing is you don't need to, oh no, first people have, people don't understand what a vagina is. Most women have no clue what a vulva or what a vagina is. Vagina is on the inside, the vulval skin is on the outside. And everyone should be using a soap-free wash for all over their body. All these scented soaps are horrible. Especially if you have an itchy skin, go mm. soap-free. Something, you know, Dermaveen, QV, go to the pharmacy. There's a whole range there of soap-free washes. So any wash which is scented is bad for you. Baths are terrible for you. Oh. So especially with the bubble baths and things like that, they are not really good. Uh, showers are great. Please go for that. Uh, at the same time, though, if we are talking about, and I know there are women who will douche their vaginas on a regular basis. Nobody should ever do that. It changes the vaginal wow, flora. really? So it changes the vaginal bacterial. What we have, we have healthy bugs there. Yeah. And you don't want to change their composition. I did not know that. I always thought, you know, douching was quite a regular oh. thing that people do. and Because they sell them in the chemist. Yes. You know, you go to the section for vaginal health and there's all these washes and then there's douches and stuff like that. So that's interesting that you should no, not be doing that. Never, ever, ever. Nobody needs to do that. Um, can you tell us a little bit more about pH levels and what that means in the vagina talk, I guess? We mentioned that a little bit before. So the normal pH for the vagina is acidic and that prevents bacterial growth. So, but that is what the vagina does by itself because of the normal bacteria which live there. So you don't really have to do anything for it. Okay. 
Um, can we talk about like um, bodily fluids, discharge periods, stuff like that? I know <laughs> everybody's different, um, but what kinds of signs, maybe like colors or things like that, should we be looking for in our discharge to know that there's an issue? The first thing is to understand a discharge is normal. Because sometimes I'll have young girls coming to me for advice because they have this continuous discharge for months and years. That is normal. So some vaginal discharge is normal and it will change character based on the half, which part of the cycle you are in. So in the first half of the cycle, cycle means, so the cycle starts from the day one of your period and it could be anything between 21 to 35 days, which is normal. Anything less than that or more than that is not normal so the first half of your cycle is when the period the discharge is thin and watery and the second half of the cycle it can get really thick and sticky so some discharge is normal that is there when we talk about something which is abnormal that means it is causing other symptoms it could be irritation itching pain it smells really bad but then again some smell and some odor from the vagina is normal so unless until you were having symptoms like itching, burning, pain, you would normally say it's a normal discharge. That's a that's a really relieving thing to hear like a gynecologist say because I know a lot of girls and because of that stigma around it being like, you know, you don't talk about it with your friends. Mm. So you could just be, yeah. you know, looking down and being like, oh my gosh, like what's happening? Am I, you know, is this wrong? Is something wrong with me? But that's good to know that burning and itching and until there's pain, then that's a sign to sort of look out for. So, and plus if in case you see a sudden change in character, it becomes like cottage cheese or something. That is, that's yeah. different. Yeah. But if in case it is this is something you've observed for months and there are no other symptoms and most likely it's just a normal discharge yeah i also really liked the point that you mentioned before that baths are really bad for you uh, especially That's, the bubble baths yeah oh. can you expand a bit more on that because you know people love like oh treat yourself i'm gonna go home yeah have no, a nice yeah, bath right. with a glass it's, of wine yeah but that's right isn't it? it is relaxing i i guess but maybe if you use some simple bath oils maybe but mm -hmm. the thing is if you're going to be using chemicals especially with the bubble baths and stuff it irritates the skin so especially if you are a sensitive skin person, you should not be doing that at all. Because people are so obsessed with, you know, like bath bombs and all these yes. things that they're putting into. And all that, then you think of all those chemicals now going into the vagina and changing the vaginal flora. Yeah. So not it's really, just, no. So stick to showers. Stick to showers. Stick to showers. Hot baths are not good for the skin, and especially if you have a sensitive skin. So if you have an issue, you're making it worse by having a hot bath. Well, if I learned anything today, it's that baths are bad. I never knew that before. Um, what's something that you can do every day, something that you can like incorporate into your daily routine that will keep your vagina healthy, fresh as a daisy? <laughs> the simple answer to that is nothing. Wow. You don't need to do anything at all. So pre-washes, have your shower, that's it. That's all you need to do. Cotton underwears are the best. Having said that, of course, it's not very sexy. <laughs> this is not what the models were wearing. And this is not what you see on all those stars wearing when they have pictures done. But that's the best. Cotton underwear, avoiding hot baths. This is vulval hygiene, avoiding hot baths. Uh, especially in the summer months, that's with the summer coming up. Skirts are better than trousers. And Air if it out. So absolutely, skirts are better than trousers. And if you went to the gym and you're wearing lycra and it is all wet and yuck, when you come home, change. Healthy. That keeps it fresh. That's right. Keeps it um, fresh. 
I know there's no such thing as a silly question, um, but can you take us through maybe some of like the crazier, craziest encounters or like some of the silly questions you might have been asked as a gyno? I don't know. That's a very hard one, actually. I like, which is a silly question? You're right. There are no silly questions. I feel like I've asked you a few silly questions, you know, today. And you're like, don't do anything. I'm like, oh. (laughs) But I I don't really, I don't think there are any silly questions at all. But I I think a lot of times people just carry these notions in their head of, Mm. let's say, what a normal vulva should look like. And I, I would really urge all the, le- all the listeners maybe to, there's something called as the vaginal wall, the wall of vagina, that is what it is called. If you Google the wall of vagina, it's a misnomer though, because it is not vaginas they are showing, they're showing vulvas. Okay. And this is an artist who has ac- actually taken molds from normal women and who, I'm like, wow, those women were fantastic because they allowed someone to take a mold of their vulva and put it out there on the wall. So what he has done, he's gone around asking normal women, taken some molds, and those are put together as the wall of vagina. And what that shows is that every person is different. Every woman is different and you don't have to look like anybody else. So which is where sometimes you feel when you have these young girls coming and they're like, ah, I don't look right. No, you look right. Yeah, because no, there's no one way that there's it should. No. I think that's a big thing as well, and especially in younger girls, and in you know they see like wherever that they're looking, yes. and they see these images of vaginas that are supposedly so perfect, and so, and they look at their own, and then they think, oh, is there something wrong with me? And then they get insecure, maybe when they start interacting with males yes. and all this sort yes. of stuff. So it's, I guess, it's, it's just about breaking that stigma. There is no normal. This is every person is different, and every person has a different normal. And then having said that, what you looked at on the net, it was probably airbrushed. Yeah. So it's not exactly... It's, it's probably just, not normal either. And just like, you know, there are with models in their faces, and I guess it's yeah. no exclusions for vaginas as well. So it's, I would really say it's, it's a misnomer, though. It says wall of the, vagina, the wall of vagina, but it is not the vagina. They're showing the vulvas. Yeah. But it is worth... And I show that to my patients, and, and whatever is worth it, I think it is really important to understand... It doesn't just doesn't mean if you don't look like the other person you're not normal not normal you are normal still. yeah everybody's different um what do you love most about your job i love every bit about my job i completely adore what i do and i really enjoy my work i think it's i, I don't know it's very hard to put together saying what you love the most i love the operating i love looking after my patients being able to talk to them where they come to with their problems and you're trying to figure out what and how can you help them? So I know I love every bit of my what I do. And I, I, I think it's really important. It doesn't matter what you do. If you don't enjoy what you do, then it is work. And you'll never get good at it. If you enjoy what you do, then it's not work anymore. And it's fantastic. I love hearing that. It's just so inspiring to see people who are, you know, doing like with their careers and you wake up in the morning and it's not like, oh God, I got to go to work (laughs) or like, oh, I can't wait for the weekend. You know, I just, I really hope that one day I find that something where I'm like, I wake up and it's like, yes, I'm excited. You know, you're excited for your week, not just your Mm, weekend. No, I'm not saying we don't look forward to the weekend. Then I'd be abnormal. Fair enough. Fair enough. (laughs) You'd be weird if you didn't. That'd be super weird. Definitely look forward to the weekends but completely adore and enjoy every bit of what I do. And and having said that, we are a team of people here where we work at, so I cannot take the Northside Gynecology yeah. is where I am, obviously. And we are a group of gynecologists and, and 
with the staff and I think it's the whole team. Our team is fantastic and, yeah. and I don't know how many specialists you've ever seen in your life, Jeff. I don't know that. But have you ever been to a specialist waiting room where people are laughing? Not really, no. So sometimes I can be sitting in the office and I know the girls are outside and the patients waiting out there and they'll all be having a big laugh. <laughs> Guys, I'm trying to do my work. And I'm like, oh my God, they're having a party there. <laughs> yeah. So I, I think all of us as a team, we really enjoy what we do. And that's really important that as is well. Very it's important. the people that makes it. Um, what is the biggest challenge that you've had to overcome in your career? Or maybe in um, you know the period leading up to gaining your career as a gynecologist? Uh, it's interesting. It's I, I think if you are getting into medicine, be prepared for a long hard road there is no other way around it mm. you can't you there's nothing which can say that it is easy it's not it's a really long it's 15 to 20 years to get to this point uh, so it is long it is hard and if you don't enjoy the process don't do it that's that's number one uh, it's it's especially because see I'm, I'm an immigrant I immigrated from India I've done my basic degree and I did my specialization in India and then in 2004, I moved with the boys and I came to Australia. And I really wanted to learn something different. I wanted a different, just, just to see how it is done somewhere else. And I remember we moved, the, my older son Arush was seven, the younger, younger one was turning four. And I, my husband didn't come with us. We, we lived apart for almost two and a half years before we got together back again as a family. It, it was very hard with the kids. And I think if I look back, the hardest thing I've ever, ever done in my life is where I did one week of nights in Melbourne as a training registrar and I had no one to look after the kids. Wow. So And I couldn't afford a nanny. Frankly speaking, I couldn't afford a nanny. I didn't have enough money at that time to afford it. So I used to take the boys to the hospital with me. They would sleep in the duty room. And we were very lucky. We had an apartment across the road, like literally 15... 10 meters across the road was my apartment from the hospital. So they would sleep in the hospital duty room because I was too scared to leave them alone in the house. What if you have a fire? What's going to happen? And 6.30, 6 o'clock, whenever I had five minutes in the morning, I would drop them back to the apartment. Their job was to get ready, get dressed, eat your breakfast, which is sitting in the fridge. All you have to do is take it out and heat it and put it and get your lunch boxes they are ready it's all in the fridge all you have to do is take it out which we would have done that prep the night before the day before because i was working nights and i would finish my handover at 8 30 and run home and we would all run to the school wow so i think that was the toughest week in my life ever yeah so it's just that sort of you really wanted it that badly, you know, that you were willing to sacrifice and give it 110%. And <laughs> it is, it is. A, but you know what, you, you have to be, you have to be passionate about wanting medicine. Otherwise, it is a chore. And it's a very long chore. And I guess with any career, it's sort of hard for students. Um, the majority of my listeners are, you know, still in mm. university. And um, I think it's hard to kind of um, picture that journey all the difficult times because all you sort of see is you know you're studying law or you're studying medicine or journalism or whatever it is and all you're thinking about is you're looking up at all these role models and you're seeing wow you know they're doing great things I can't wait till I'm there but what you don't see is how hard that they've worked all the late That's nights right. all the sacrifices that they've had to make absolutely and what's what would be your biggest piece of advice to someone studying medicine oh gosh just enjoy the process yeah 
it because you know what i think with all of us and and this is something which like i work with a group of gynecologists and i have known some of them when i was training as a registrar and what i like about the people i've you if it's work it's work that's the way it is you'll have to do the work there's no other way around it but if you're going to whinge and do the work then that's awful yeah enjoy the process whatever and you know what it's not just medicine there are a lot of other professions out there now which burn the night oil enjoy the process that's what it's all about if you can enjoy the process the end product will be great we're going to move on to our next segment <laughs> um so this is i do a little thing called power questions where i ask um whoever i'm interviewing um, a power question. Okay, so, whatever that is. <laughs> whatever that is. I haven't figured that out yet myself. But um, what's a motto or a quote that you live by? Something that's sort of always kept you going. Ah, uh, quit. Winners don't quit and quitters don't win. That's a good one. Keep going. Keep, Keep going. Working. Get it done. That's it. If, if it's point A you want to go, unless until you change where you want to go, and if it is going to take the X amount of work, you'll have to do it. What's one thing you wish you knew at 20? Oh, I don't know. That's interesting. I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't think anything else. No. No? I, I, I seriously think live what you have. Retrospect. Hindsight is the worst thing you ever do. You made the best decisions you made on the day based on the information you had. And there's no looking back. That is a really good answer because I guess everything that you did leads you up to where you are now. That's right. And if you're happy with where you are now, no, then I, I guess wouldn't, wouldn't change. change. I wouldn't want. I wouldn't change a thing. And I would. And and believe me, there have been. There were days when you are really struggling, but that's all right. That's part of the process. So no, I don't think I would want to know anything else. Just just leave it. That's it. It's good. Just leave it at that. Okay. Now, um, I have another segment called Don't Get Me Started. So it's a little rant. It's a little, it's just time for you to, you can just vent, get out whatever's on your mind. Do you have like a specific topic you want to vent about? Oh, you know what? It's, it's interesting. And I, I, I think my only rant would be you spend money and time to go and see a specialist, any specialist. And they give you advice based on 20 years of hard work they have gone through, based on evidence which is not theirs, which is based on years and years of research, which has come together from the world over, and they put together an advice for you. And then you go home and talk to your friend or Google it and say, nah, I'll not do this. (laughs) Yeah, I know what you mean. It's sometimes... So that is probably my biggest frustration is... I know it is good for you, but your friend said it wasn't, so it's okay. <laughs> so who are you going to listen to? Your, you know, medical practitioner who's had you... years of training and experience, or your friend who says, "Nah." Having said <laughs> that, this is interesting. People don't do that to plumbers. You True. never ask your neighbor, "Is this plumbing going to go this way or that way?" You just do what your plumber tells you to do. But when it comes to your body, you don't want to listen to your specialist. You'd rather listen to someone who probably doesn't really know that much. And as you said before, everybody's different. So someone's experience, whereas, you know, all the pipelines in your sink are all the same in every house, you know, give (laughs) give or take. So I guess the plumber can be doing his job similar. But when it comes to your bodies and everybody's so different, different, you can't be, you know, comparing. True. Very true. 
Okay, so our next segment is called Check It Out. Um, <laughs> this is something I do where I ask the person I'm interviewing to recommend something they've been obsessed with lately, whether it's like um, a like a workout, maybe like going for walks, or it's a food item, <laughs> okay. music, TV no, show. Okay, all right. I, and this is interesting because I think the one thing the I have been in really doing it for a while now, and that's intermittent fasting. <laughs> Oh, okay. So I've, I have exercised regularly all my life. Like seriously, I'll get up at, like I've gone for swims in the morning or whatever. I, I've exercised regularly all my life. I can't think of when I haven't. And then I was stuck at this weight and I was trying to lose a little bit more and wouldn't budge. And then my husband and my older son, Arush, they started, they all right, we'll do intermittent fasting. And they started it in January last year. And I was like, hey, if you're going to do it, I may as well do it too. Join Why me? get left yeah. out? <laughs> so I think that's one thing. And I found that, you know what? It works. Wow. That's actually a very good um, point. I know a lot of people are starting to do that. My dad was doing that for a while. Mm-hmm. He Did was it work for him? Fasting. Yeah. He dropped from like a 36 to a 34 or something. Oh, no, 38 to a 36. It was crazy. Like two sizes wow, down. Wow. So, you know, yeah. it works. So I, and I guess there's just this thing in your mind you're like, you know, you have your set times, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. I must eat at yes. all these times. But there's um, a study that was done on this community in Japan. I think they were like um, like an Eskimo community or something like that. And um, they only ate when they were hungry. And that changed the whole ball game ah, for them. So, wow. you know, so kind of listening to your body and not just sort of... So. I guess our bodies have been trained to be hungry at breakfast and lunch true. and dinner That's and true. all these kind of meal times in a day. But it's really not that normal to be no. having so through full... That was very exciting because initially it was hard like, you're right the body's saying ah breakfast I'm like nah we are doing intermittent fasting <laughs> so but not it today. works not today but it works it works really well and so I think that's that's probably been my the thing for the last year or so nice I like that that's a good thing to for people to check out um, I have this little game that I play <laughs> and basically I give you a letter of the alphabet. Okay. I'm going to have a little fun here. All right. Um, I might fail miserably on this one, but let's see. <laughs> it's fun. It gets your memory jogging. So, and there's um, two, four, six, eight, ten different categories. Wow. And um, I'll ask you, so I'll give you a letter of the alphabet. Okay. And then I'll say the category. So, for example, like, um, I don't know, a food. Okay, type, all right, and let's then see. you have to as fast as you can, but you only have a minute. God, now I'm sweating. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so your time starts after I finish the first question, and your letter is A for Archna. Mm-hmm. Okay, what is a boy's name? Arush. A city? Amritsar. Girl's name? Archna. Country? A, a Afno country? Argentina. Occupation. A. Occupation. That is a hard one. Yay. You can pass and I can get back to you. We'll get back to that one, I'm thinking. Animal. Antelope. Oh, celebrity. Angelina Jolie. Movie. America. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> there must be something. <laughs> a song. Song. I only know Bollywood songs. I wouldn't even be able to think of an English song, so I'm sure. Is there a Bollywood song beginning with A? Oh, there are plenty. You want, you want to, to name one? It? Yeah, you oh can name God. one. Oh, my God. A. Oh, God. Now I'm on a spot. <laughs> song. You've got one more left after this. Do you want to pass this one for now? Okay, let's leave it for okay. a second. Color. A. Oh. There is a color by it? Is it? 
amaranth or something like that, no? Amethyst? Is Amethyst is a stone though. Hey, color. God. That's bizarre. <laughs> I'm on a bit of it. I don't think... Arush is looking at us. A like... purple? <laughs> <laughs> Alright, well, you know, you got 7 out of 10. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Um, I reckon... What would be a color Arush is dying to say? Amber. 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 But what, what occupation would you have by A? Architect. Ah, oh, oh, architecture. Architects. Yes, architects. Yes. I would have gotten 10 out of 10. <laughs> you and should have done name? this and song, song, song. Ah, but that's right. Do you guys want to sing it for us? No. <laughs> <laughs> you do want people to want keep on listening to your podcast in the future, so I don't think we'll go there. Ah, uh, well, you know, like a bit of multiculturalism here. Um, well, that brings us to the end of the podcast for today. Thank you so much for letting uh, me interview you. No, it's been fun. Thank you so much for having me, and it's it's been brilliant. Awesome, it's been a wonderful experience. Thank you, Ajna. You're very welcome. It's been a pleasure.